Man, Spirit of God's here, and he wants to do something, and I hope you would allow him to do it, and even if you won't, I'm going to, and I'm going to be excited about this, and I'm going to have a great time, and I'm going to leave here encouraged. If you, if, if you don't leave here encouraged, that's okay. I'm going to leave here encouraged. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, l- lately we've been talking on the seven habits of negativity, and it's been really, really good, and I'll tell you what, it's actually been one of the best series I believe we've done, not just because it's the best one we've done, but for me personally, it's been very, very good. And, and the reason I say that is because every time we're sitting in service for the last couple of weeks and pastor begins to preach on the seven habits of negativity and he hits, okay, number two, negativity always justifies itself. I say, yes, it does. And that person over there needs to hear this. I mean, the whole time, I mean, all the way through seven, it's like I'm thinking about you. Not you, but maybe you. You don't know. And and I mean, the whole time, I'm like, this is for them. This is, oh, my gosh, they're going to get it finally, and they're going to see their evil ways, and God's going to do something in their life, and then I leave, and I'm driving down the road, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this was for me. And I began to check myself, and... You know, you catch yourself in the middle of justifying why you were just negative, and you're like, oh my gosh, I am doing it right now, <laughs> you know, and, and as much as it was for somebody else, it was for me, and, and I don't know about you, but if you did not open your heart up the last couple of weeks and to allow this word that's been preached to come into your life and do something to where you're different than before, it's not the same. If you're the same way you were when you came in as when you leave, it, you, it didn't work. Okay, that's how you know. <laughs> if you're still negative on Monday morning when you get that workload from your boss, it, it didn't work. You need to go back and, and do it again and listen to it. And I, I need you, to, if you haven't done it, go back and listen to the last couple of weeks because it has been life-changing. It has been life-changing. And there's something special about committing yourself to the word that's being preached in the, in the place you call home. Committing yourself to the word that's being spoken right here from this platform. There's something special. God does something. The Bible says those that are planted will flourish. There's something special about the word that's being preached, and you take that and you allow it to get into your heart. It's, it's, sometimes it's hard because, I mean, it's been kind of intrusive. Like, we're getting deep and down into the, why you're so negative. You know, and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know about that. So it's super easy to go listen to some other podcast where it's like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I feel good. Yeah, this is, they're talking about why I'm such a good person. And you know what? I did this. And it's like, sometimes it's easy, but there's something special. God does something incredible when you will commit yourself to what's being preached in the house, the place you call your church. Something special happens. And today, we're going to talk on how to overcome your negativity. How to overcome negativity. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to run through the last several weeks. Just in case you weren't here, you can... Listen to what negativity does, and it's going to be really good. I'm just going to kind of run through them really quick. So if you're taking notes, perfect. I think if you take notes, you're a world changer. I think people who take notes are the ones who actually change the world. So if you're not taking notes, what does that say about you? Okay, seven habits of negativity real quick. Number one, negativity is an outward expression of an inward defeat. We see this all the time. Negativity is an outward expression of an inward defeat. And a lot of times when we lash out in negativity, it's not because of our circumstances, it's not because of what someone said or someone did to you, it's because you got something deep down on the inside that you have not allowed God to take care of. 
It's an outward expression of an inward defeat. Number two, negativity always finds a way to justify itself. And here's the question you got to ask yourself. If you have to justify why you're doing it, why are you doing it? I mean, really, if you got to justify why at 11 o'clock at night you're headed to Wendy's to get the triple Baconator, you should not be doing it. You're like, oh, I had a long day, and I've actually been doing pretty good on my diet. I'm down two pounds. I deserve this. And you wonder why you wake up feeling terrible and you've gained five pounds. If you have to justify why you're doing something, you need to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Number three, negativity will choose your friends for you. And this one's good. I, I honestly don't think it just stops at your friends. I think it just makes decisions for you. I think negativity will make a decision for you. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, we started the seven habits of negativity in the youth, and we've been taking them through it. And, and a couple weeks before that, we started it in our staff meetings. And so it's kind of been a little like a, like a domino effect. It went to staff meeting, then the youth, and then the main service. It's really cool because I have youth kids coming up all the time. They're like, man, the main service really liked our series, huh? Because they're doing it now. I'm like, yeah, they did. I, I had to give all my notes out. They really, I mean... It was, it's good, you know, and they're like, yeah, we're so cool. And I mean, they're really, they are, honestly think that, and I think it's awesome. So, uh, but we talked about this one. Negativity will make decisions for you. And what we did is we said, hey, let's just say we have two scenarios. In scenario A, okay, you come home from school. And I'm just going to give you a picture into the youth service, you know. You come home from school, and your mom says, hey, how was school? And you say, you know what? It was pretty good, Mom. I had a good day. Awesome. How was your day, Mom? It was really good. That's great, Mom. I love you. She says, I love you too. And actually, your father and I just wanted to let you know that we love you so much and we're so proud of you. You've been doing so good in school that we're going to get you that car you want for your birthday in a couple months. Really? Yeah, we are. And not only that, we're getting a puppy. The family is getting a puppy. Yes, everybody loves puppies. That's scenario A. Scenario B. Come home from school. You open the door. Your mom says, hey, how was school? And you say, get off my back, mom. I haven't even gotten all the way in the house yet, and you're already getting on my case. Well, I just want to know. No, mom, I don't. It's, leave me alone. This is my life. And your mom's like, oh, really? This is your life? Well, who brought you into this life, huh? Because the same person that brought you in will take you out if you don't start showing some respect around, you know? And nobody getting a puppy in scenario B. No puppies, scenario B. Scenario A, we got puppies. Scenario B, no puppies. Now, this is where we all come together, okay? If you're in here in this room right now, and you would choose scenario A over scenario B, just in this moment, scenario A sounds better than B, raise your hand. Oh, my gosh, everybody. Weird, yet so often... We find ourselves in scenario B. The majority of our conversations, our meetings, whatever it is, we find ourselves in scenario B. Why? Because we just said we want, scenario, we want the puppy. We want that. But negativity will make decisions for you. You find yourself where you honestly don't want to be, but you're there. Why? Because you've allowed negativity to come in and start making your decisions for you you. Next one, negativity magnifies and distorts 
the truth. It magnifies and distorts the truth. I'm going to keep going. Ma uh, the next one, negativity makes unfair statements and harsh judgments. And we see this one all the time, like when, when someone sends you an email and, and you're like, how dare they talk to me like that? It's like, it's an email. Text messages. I do not have a serious conversation over text messages. This is the worst idea you will have ever had. And someone once told me that you need to read your emails as if the person on the other side who sent it to you has a smile on their face. It's worth trying. I haven't done it, but you might, I think it's worth trying. A lot of times negativity will make unfair statements and harsh judgments. You think something's there that's not actually there. It makes mountains out of molehills. And you begin to say things that, honestly, if you take, if you take a step back, it's, that's not even close to the truth. Negativity will do that to you. The next one, negativity, negates the work of the Holy Spirit. This is a big one. Because our negativity, God wants to work in your life. The Bible says that he has a plan for you to give you hope and a future. God wants you to have an amazing life. But you know our negativity, like there's probably a, a promotion out there for you. There's probably some area of increase that God wants to give you, but your negativity has gone ahead of you and locked God's hands behind his back. And so you're wondering why nothing's ever working out for you and why God doesn't love you as much as he loves the guy over there. But really it's just because of how you talk about your job and how you talk about your boss and how you talk about your spouse. It negates the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the last one, negativity sabotages the present and negates the future. And those two play hand in hand. God wants to do something in your life, in your future. And I promise you this. It's not, when you think of the future, it's not that God can't do something. It's that you allowing negativity into your life has taken you out of the position where God can do something in your life. Seven habits of negativity. And negativity is a big deal in today's society. I mean, no matter where you look, where you go, negativity is there. It sells the best, it reads the best, it feels the best. For some reason, when we're negative, it's almost like we feel better because really, well, it's not about us, it's about what's going on, right? And we, don't, we, we don't like to take responsibility. And that's what negativity does to you. And, you know, uh, I've been in youth ministry for, I think, eight years now. I think we did the math in three years and... Tulsa, when I was going to Bible college, I was a part of a youth ministry down there, and then about five years here, and, and we have some really cool things going on with the youth group. I mean, some really cool things. We have, like, like this last Halloween, we did, a, like, a, like, a haunted maze thing. It was, I'm like, where was this? You know what I mean? Like, this is so cool, and we do, like, all-nighters, lock-ins, where it's, like, for, for 12 hours from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., we're just going, 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 and it's, like, fun and food and and we're going to like gymnastic places and trampoline places and ice skating. I mean, it's like super cool. And hours and hours of work goes into making sure that these events come together. And we're super excited. You know, the team that usually puts these on, some people take work off for this kind of stuff. And I mean, it's like we care about what we're doing. We're going to make sure that this is the best thing Ever. And we get to the day of, and you're excited. You're like, oh my gosh, it's about to go down. And you know, you see students lining up out the doors, and you're like, oh my God, we're, we're, we're here. And the doors open, and kids are rushing in. You're like, this is awesome. And within the first one to two minutes, every time, without fail, there's usually one or two. And they come up, and they're like, this is boring. 
You're like, we just opened the doors, man. Like, have you even checked in yet? Most of us know the story of the Israelites, and man, God has brought them out of slavery. They've been slaves for 400 years. Do you know how long that is? You don't know how many great, 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 greats to put in front of your grandpa. You don't know. That's how long it is. You're like, it's like a lot. You'll never know how many greats there are. From the last time you were free till now, and God comes and uses Moses, and not only do they just leave, but somehow they leave with all of the Egyptians' money. They're gold, they're silver. It's the definition of an overnight success. All you have to do is pack your crap and get out. And you're rich. The richest person your family has ever seen. That's you. And you're walking, you're like, this is great. God has just freed me. But Moses, real quick though, (laughs) you're in the desert. It's kind of hot. Can we do something about that? God says, oh, you know what, I'm going to put a cloud by day over you so it's cool as you walk through the desert. Like, this is really great. But, you know, because it's a desert, it's also really cold at night. Okay, well, we're going to put a pillar of fire by night to keep you warm so you can see. And Oh, perfect. We're, we're hungry too, though. I don't know if you thought about that. Nobody brought the lunch box. You know, we're kind of hungry. Okay, manna in the day. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing and hey Moses our clothes are starting to get a little uh, wrinkled <laughs> uh, we've been walking them on okay you know what your clothes will never wither away well what about our shoes because our shoes are okay your shoes will never wear out hey we're kind of thirsty okay just hit the rock with the stick and water will come out oh my gosh hey they're coming after us they're on their way to kill us okay watch this I will split the Red Sea you will walk on dry ground through now turn around and wash because as I take your enemies out I will prove to you that if I said I'm gonna do something I will do it the story of the Israelites and then we get to this verse. I just want to read you this verse because Exodus 14, 11 through 12, and the Israelites are talking to Moses, and they say, they say to Moses, hey, was it because there were no graves in Egypt you brought us out in this desert to die? <laughs> I think that's the funniest verse ever. Hey, what was the cemetery's full, so you just rounded us all up to come out here and die? <laughs> and they said, they said in verse 12, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to have to die in the desert. We liked it better when we were slaves. We, it was easier. We didn't have to walk so much. We, we didn't have to do this. Like, oh, I would, there's sand everywhere. Moses, there's sand where there shouldn't be sand. We don't want to do this. And 
Yet this sounds so much like us. This sounds so much like the modern day church. But God has done so much for us. Look where he's brought you. Look where he's brought you out of. And yet we choose to focus on the things we don't have and what we're going through. And I'm going to tell you that God takes your negativity personally. I'll, I'll prove it. In Exodus 16, 8, Moses is talking back to them. And it says, who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but you're grumbling against God. God takes your negativity personally. And why shouldn't he? Why should he not? Because he has done so much for us. He has done so, so much that you could never repay him. And we turn and focus on what we don't have, what we didn't get, where we're not at. You know, I wonder if we look today through the lens of what we're most negative about right now. What are you most negative about right now? And if we look at this through this lens, because I promise you this, the, the fact that uh, Netflix has nothing new on TV anymore, that's not your issue. And the fact that it snowed a, a big old weather, there's a bad out there, that's not your issue. And the fact that your husband always does, he never dresses up when you guys go on a date, that's not the issue. And the fact that your wife just nag, 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 that's not your issue. And the kids never pick their toys up the way we ask, that's not the issue. The issue is, just like the Israelites, we've allowed Satan to take our eyes off of the goodness of God and place them onto ourselves. We've allowed the enemy to take our eyes off of our great and mighty God and place them onto our small little selves. See, the, the, the point of the message today isn't to, to beat you up. It's not to tear us down, because that's easy. Like most of us were negative before, maybe not today. This might be the only day that we're not negative before we get out of bed. Because it's like, hey, we got that extra hour. This is great. Could this be like, but tomorrow morning, before you get out of bed, you're cursing your alarm clock. Like, this is, I don't want to be up. And, you know, you have to wake up early on a Saturday morning, because we're going to the church to do a work day. And I, mean, I don't want to be there. And it, before we get out of bed, we're negative. On the way to church, you were probably negative. The kids weren't up on time, and I had to do this whole thing by myself and get them ready, get them fed, and then I had to get myself ready. What were you doing over there? I'm just trimming your nose hairs, and now we're going to be late. We're going to be, we got an extra hour, but we're going to be late. <laughs> For some reason, we like to be negative. The point of today is to encourage you. To let you know that we have what it takes to overcome negativity. That you have been given God's word and this has all the answers to live the life that you were called to live. That you don't have to live a negative lifestyle but you can do the opposite. You can be positive. You can be, say this with me, I can, I can. Be, positive. be positive. We can do it. And I want to show you through some scripture and we're looking at the story of a guy by the name of Paul and Paul's a pretty popular guy and, and Paul had a he had an encounter with God I mean it's like a surreal encounter and Paul realizes the call on his life why he was born he finds his purpose and that's to preach the gospel to spread 
the good news. And what I like about Paul is he doesn't dream, like it's not like a tiny, like a small, like, you know what, okay, I'm going to go out, and if I run into somebody and the weather's perfect and the conversation, if they bring up church, I'll talk to them about God. And if it's perfect, I'm going to, no, he goes to the big leagues. He starts thinking, here's the thing, the dream for Paul was to go to Rome. And the thing about Rome in this day is it is the center of civilization. If, if you're anybody, you're going to be in Rome. And people from every nation and tongue and tribe, they travel to Rome to trade and to, to buy and sell. And, and then they leave to go back. And Rome is the Mecca. And Paul knows that if I can get to Rome, it is the most strategic place for me to preach the gospel, not just to some, but to the world. That's the dream, to go to Rome as a preacher. And we have a, a letter in our Bible, the book of Philippians, and it's a letter that Paul wrote. And what's so cool about this letter is Paul wrote it from Rome. There's just one little detail that's a little bit different. <laughs> He's not a preacher. <laughs> He's a prisoner. He's not there preaching. He's there as a slave. This is not what he expected. This is not the dream I dreamed of. I'm supposed to be seeing people set free. I'm supposed to be spreading the good news. Yet here I am 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I am chained up to a Roman guard on house arrest. I promise you this. That if it was any one of us, we would be negative. We would not be able to see any good in this situation. I know this from personal experience. Because how often do I want something and I don't get it the way I wanted it to, and so I lash out in negativity. Nothing's going the way I want it to go, so I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. Paul, the dream to be a preacher in Rome is actually a prisoner in Rome. And, but what does he say from his house arrest in Philippians 2, 14 through 15? It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Not, he said, do everything without grumbling. See, if I was in this situation, I would have said, do everything without grumbling or arguing unless... You're in a situation kind of like mine. Then it's okay. Then it's, we would justify the situation, right? It's okay because, I mean, this is pretty extreme. This is pretty intense. And not only is it intense and extreme, but this isn't exactly what I signed up for. This isn't exactly what, when God showed me what I was going to be doing. This isn't, really wasn't in the picture. So this is okay. We can allow a little bit of negativity in here. We can justify it. And most of us would do that, but, but not Paul. Paul says... Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. God wants us to be a light in a dark world. I said he wants you to be a light in a dark world. And I promise you, if you're negative, you're not a light. If people come up to you to talk negatively, that's, that's not a good thing. Because that means you blend in. 
That means they can't tell the difference between positive and negative. God wants you to be a light. You know, there's this guy by the name of Travis Bradbury, and he wrote this book, and, and he does, he does a, a, like, research on complaining and negativity. And I want to read you this out of his book because it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. He said, repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it's easier to be negative than to be positive, regardless of what's happening around you. Complaining becomes your default behavior, which changes how we perceive people and how people perceive us. Do you know that the more negative you are, it actually sets you up to be more negative in the future? He also talks about like when you assume, like if I assume that I'm not going to like something, the odds raise that you actually will not enjoy it. If you walk into a situation with a predetermined thought that I will not like this, you honestly have a bigger chance that you will not enjoy it. I've seen this with sushi. <laughs> I have. Been there, done that. When I was younger, my dad took me to the sushi spot. He knew the guy that owned it. It was a kind of a big deal. And we get to the counter, he says, hey, my son's going to try sushi for the first time. It's like, oh, wow, he's so excited. He brings it out, takes it to the table, and he stands there and looks at me like this. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to like this. Just try it. I won't like it. Just try it. Put it in your mouth, and it's like, one second. And I run to the bathroom and spit it out. Come back. I'd like some chicken teriyaki, please. If you have a predetermined thought that you're not going to enjoy something, the odds are you won't enjoy it. We see this all the time. We do. You hear it when people say things like, well, all men are jerks. They're going to let you down. The odds are all the men that come into your life will be jerks and will let you down. We say crazy things. They're so negative. Well, the first year of marriage is going to be a tough one. It's the hardest one yet. I don't want that. Well, you're having a kid. Get ready for the terrible twos. Says who? We're so negative. And what's, what's wrong, what's hard about it, is because we've allowed it to come in and play such a role in our life, it's setting us up for the, it's making our decisions and choices for us for the future, before you even get there. And Paul, even though he's in prison, is saying, do everything without grumbling or complaining. You know, there's a preacher illustration that talks about there's two kinds of birds. There's a buzzard. And what does a buzzard do? every single day. He flies around and looks for dead things. And what does he find every single day? Dead things. But then on the other hand, you have a hummingbird. And what does it do every single day? It flies around and looks for sweet things. And what does it find every single day? Sweet things. You know, Proverbs says that if you look 
for evil you will find it, but the one who searches for what is good will find favor. What are you looking for? What are you focused on? Because see, Paul would teach us that you have two options. You can either change your circumstance or you can change your perspective. What are you focused on? And some of you might need to change your circumstance. If you hate your job, why are you working there? You have the power to make a change. But a lot of times we don't have the power to make that change. And that's where most of us would tap out. But I want to challenge you because you do have the power to change your perspective. In Philippians 2, 17 and 18, Paul says this, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice. But even if my life is just to be poured out, even if this is just an example for your faith that my life is just to show you and it's just something to be sacrificed and given to God, even if I choose to be glad and rejoice. And so should you. But even if, but even if I will remain positive. It's interesting because the situation, it's not what he wanted. He's supposed to be here preaching. He's supposed to be here Spreading the gospel. This is what I expected. I should be farther in life than where I'm at right now. I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be here. My marriage isn't supposed to look like this. My grades aren't supposed to be like this. This is unfair. This isn't what I signed up for. Paul says, but even if, I will rejoice. And Paul's able to take his focus off of himself and put it onto God. Paul's able to stop looking at the smallness of himself and focus on the greatness of his God. You know, we sing songs like, I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Then we leave and we talk about how bad it is. This always happens to me. This always happens to me. And Paul is able to change his perspective. And he writes in Philippians 1, verse 12 through 13. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel. He continues on to say that, so that it has become known through the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because of Christ he says oh you think I'm the prisoner <laughs> you think I'm the one who's stuck he says look at this guy eight hours a day this guy's chained to me eight hours a day this guy gets to hear me preach about the goodness of my God. I'm not choosing to look at it from the perspective of what about me? I'm choosing to look at God and know that He is good. He is still in it. He is for me. He will never let me down. I'm not the prisoner. 
This is the prisoner. Did you know that the Roman guards were some of the most influential people in all the country? And Paul says, I am strategically placed to advance the gospel because I'm preaching every single day to the most influential men in the country. I tell you, you have the power to overcome your negativity. You have the power to overcome it. And I'm going to tell you how Paul was able to do that. I'm going to tell you how to overcome your negativity. I'm going to tell you how to change your perspective. You have to educate your soul. In order for you to change your perspective, you need to educate your soul with the Word of God. Paul was able to choose to see the goodness of God because he knew his God. And he knew what his God has said about him. And I'm going to show you a little glimpse of how I know Paul was educated. Because Paul wrote a book in Romans. And I'm going to show you one chapter in Romans. And this is Paul's perspective. This is how he knew that he could overcome. This is how he knew that God was for him. This is how he was able to change his perspective because he had an educated soul. And Romans 8, 1 and 2, Therefore no condemnation now exists for those in Christ because the spirit law of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin. Paul knew that his sins were forgiven and his eternity was secure. How about this in Romans 8, 6? For the mind set of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Paul knew that his mind was filled with the peace of God. In a chaotic world, when life is upside down, your mind can be full of the peace of God. How about this in, in Romans 8, 18? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Your future victory is greater than your current pain. Your future victory is far greater than what you're going through right now. Number four, Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit also joins to help in my weakness. God knows that Paul knew that God's Spirit was helping him in his weakness. The Bible says that when I am weak, God's perfected strength comes into play. Romans 8, 28, we know, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Paul knew that God was working everything in his life for good. Can I tell you that God is working everything in your life for good? That no matter how dark it gets, no matter how, how bad it seems, God is working it for good. Romans 8, 31 and 33. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I said, if God is for you, Paul knew that because God is for me, nothing can stand in my way. If God is for me, if God is behind me, what can come against you? I love this one. Romans 8, 34. Christ Jesus 
is the one who died, but even more, he has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Paul knew that Jesus was sitting in the right hand of the Father and he is praying for you. Listen, there's, I love when people pray for you and some of them are really good. It's like, wow, that was a good prayer. I got the chills and everything. How much more that we know that Christ is sitting next to God, praying on your behalf, speaking to God on your behalf. I feel like I'm all alone. <laughs> no, you're not. Jesus is praying for you. In the last one, Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things of present or things to come, hostile powers, high or death, or any created thing will have the power to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul knew that nothing could separate him from God's love. And I'm telling you, nothing can separate you from the love of God. I don't care how bad it is or how gray it gets or how dark it seems, nothing can separate you from God's love. You want to overcome your negativity? You need to educate your soul. You want to get through it? You need to educate your soul. Paul was able to say, but even if my chains, even if I'm in prison, I'm supposed to be preaching, God will use your prison to help you preach. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. Are you here today and recognizing the negativity has overtaken your life? Do you realize that you don't need eight scriptures, you only need one? That if you have one word from God and you allow it to come in onto the inside of your heart, that God will take that one word and it will let you ride through that situation and it'll keep your head above water and it'll walk you through the fire without getting burned. Do you know that one word from God will deliver you to where you need to be? You just need to educate your soul. And if you're here today and you need it, whether it's negativity has overcome you and you recognize that Man, I'm so negative. Or maybe you're going through a situation and you realize that I can overcome this. I can walk through this better. I can use, God can use this situation to help me. God can use it for good. And maybe that's you. But if you're here and you're ready to lay the negativity down, you're ready to step into the positive life that God has called you to live, would you just lift your hand in the air for me, wherever you're at? That's awesome, awesome, awesome. His hand's everywhere. I'm just going to pray for you. God, I thank you right now that your word is life. God, I thank you that your word is life. It's life to those who find it. God, I thank you that today, God, that we have found your word. God, I thank you that today we choose 
to lay negativity down, to strip it off of ourselves, our souls, our minds. And God, we choose to pick up your word, which is life. God, we choose to educate our souls so that just like Paul, no matter the circumstance or the situation, no matter how bad it is or how dark it gets, God, we choose to keep our focus on how great and big you are. Because if you've done it once, we know you'll do it again. Because your word has never failed us, and it's not going to start now. God, I thank you for every hand that was raised. That today negativity loses its grip on their life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. We want to take an opportunity. You can change your perspective, but sometimes you can also change your circumstance. And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you can change that today. You have the power to make a decision that changes your circumstance for eternity. With everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're here today and you want that relationship, you're ready to leave here different than you came in, that your life is going to be right with God, and you know now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand for me right now, wherever you're at? Wherever you're at, lift your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Come on. Thank you. So I want everybody to repeat this after me. Say, God, I love you. And I thank you for sending your son to die for me. Today, I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Make me clean. And I choose to live, to serve, to honor, and to be positive for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Could you give God a round of applause for what he's doing today? Come on.